0: Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberley. Long intro, much longer than normal. That should make Jefferson happy. Am I right, my friend? Yeah. yeah there you go. See? <laughs> hey, it's a good song. Uh, you know, again, I, the, the, you know, going back years ago now with the two of us, I heard it one day and I went, that is the theme for Jefferson. Mm-hmm. That is it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. <laughs> and I believe you have lined up uh, Michelle uh, Dresbold for us? That's right.
1: I, I, uh, wow! I, there she is. Hi, Michelle.
0: Hi. How are you? Oh, uh, wow. obvious. Michelle, real quick. What if, have you st- watched? Any of the John Binay Ramsey stuff that's been I on have. television? I have. I've watched um, quite a bit of it. Do have you, you have any thoughts?
1: Well, my thoughts are pretty much what my thoughts were um, from 20 years ago. Okay. That. Um, you have a house where, as I always say, when I look at any crime, you look at the what, what makes the most common sense. You have a house and you have a handwritten three-page note, and um, you only have very few people who, very few kidnappers who come in and start writing with a, a three-page note with paper and pencil pen, um, marker that they find in the house. So that's um, not normally, in fact, never the case and so um, I've always believed it was somebody from inside that house I do believe that the note was written by the mother Mm. and um, how and what happened in that house that night we may never know
0: now just a uh, recap for people Michelle is a handwriting analyst uh, and she did Was part of the case back in '96 in Colorado, so she knows what she's speaking of. She had a chance to read the handwritten letter and to formulate her thoughts on it. So, just to let everyone know, this is not—we're not just coming from an angle here and saying, "Hey, what do you think?" Michelle really was involved in that, and thoughts. Wasn't
1: actually involved. In The case, however, I did review all the handwriting right. samples, but I was not officially involved in that case.
0: You got this. You got the most important part to read the hand <laughs> to read the letter, uh, Michelle. What's going on with the television show? Any any update? They still have you on hold, or
1: update is and my fingers are crossed. I mm. talked to the main writer, and he said that the script is in the pile at the president of ABC's desk. At the moment, this was last week. Everybody is sitting on what we call pins and needles. Everybody's fingernails are eaten down. So I have, um, you know, it's up now to the president of ABC: yes, no, or let's change the script in some way. Or so we'll. we'll I'm still biting those fingernails. Those fingernails haven't grown in a long, long time. <laughs>
0: That's okay, though. I, as I said to you last year, I think the program. Will sell very well, they have I can't think of the girl's name the woman's name uh she's married to Kevin Bacon. her show just went off the air recently, and a lot of people loved that program. Is uh, that Karen Knightley uh no not Karen Knightley it's i can't it's Kevin bacon's okay. what wife. Is her name uh, it'll hit me later I her name, but I think. This will be a, a great show. And maybe if ABC decides to pass on it, maybe one of the cable networks would pick it up where they can really broaden the characters. I I know right, for me, yeah.
1: Right now, we're not going to say they're going to pass. Right now, we're mm. still, yep, they're going to take it. <laughs> okay, good,
0: good. Then, well, like I said, I'll keep, I'll keep saying a prayer for <laughs> you on that level. Now, Jefferson, this is really unique for me to have both of you on at the same time. You both come from different angles on how you help people, how you get involved, and maybe on a bigger level, uh, you know, help people. And uh, you do it through dream interpretation. Michelle does it through her handwriting analysis. But from what you told me, Jefferson, you and Michelle really hit it off. There's a lot of similarities uh, between the two of you. I know you studied... Uh, handwriting analysis yourself. Can you can you give us a little bit of the similarities between the two of you? Well, I
2: don't I don't think they come from my um, having studied handwriting analysis because I only did that very briefly when okay. I was younger. Uh, but I did, by the way, purchase Michelle's book, and I am <laughs> that's well, a great book. It's a great book. So I'm, I'm I'm reading up on it now. But um, no, you had had her on your show a few times, mm-hmm. and I had listened to all three broadcasts. And um, one of the things that I found really intriguing about Michelle's work was the fact that she's an artist. Uh, she's a painter, and um, we both are artists, and we both look at things symbolically. And the way that she described things that she saw in handwriting uh, made a lot of sense to me because it was very much how I describe symbols, you know, that they um, that they have kind of a poetic um, Sensibility about them, and that if you look at things through a different lens than you would normally, uh, there's a lot that you can that you can see, and there's a you know, metaphor is a great way to express these things, and um, you know of course with dream symbolism that happens all the time. So I found a lot that I could relate to in her work, and I thought it would be very interesting. As I told you um, months ago, I, that to have Michelle on the air, and she's just been so busy, it's been tough to get her on until now. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that um, our work does travel a similar path in some ways. Um, I haven't worked with law enforcement for so long the way that she has, but
0: um, I guess you never know. <laughs> Michelle, yeah. M- 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 Michelle, then what's your? I mean, you have a gift. Jefferson has a gift. I've gotten to interact with both of you hey. pretty well. What? I was going to say, what do you find fascinating about what Jefferson does? I mean, where do you think that fits in? I'm kind of curious because both of you have your points of view and I want to see what you think of each other.
1: Um, well, I think what he does is absolutely fascinating. I believe that our mind is a, is the most powerful, if you want to call it a machine, ever. Our mind is so powerful. Now, Jefferson and I work Differently, but very similarly. Let's say handwriting, which I might interpret, though I interpret many things about a person. Um, you put yourself, your conscious self, in your writing, in your body language, in the words you say. But your subconscious self is when you sleep at night and what your brain is telling you that during the day it does not want to tell you. And perhaps... The other thing, when I look at handwriting, um, it also tells you things that somebody doesn't want to necessarily admit about themselves or say. And as Jefferson tells people, you listen to your dreams, and if you really listen, your dreams are telling you a tremendous amount. So I believe the more you know about yourself, um, the more you can have control of your life. And so I think what we do is very very connected and um that that's um and very I I really very much admire what Jefferson does
2: and I very much admire what Michelle does as well. I think that um that you're uh, you're right in, in in the fact that there there are these similarities between our work. It's it's why I wanted to have you on the show. It's um, I think it's very fascinating. Um, but you know you you raise one point, one point which is that um, when you are looking at handwriting, that there are things that are hidden in there that the person doesn't realize, uh, but that it is scripted in the handwriting. And the same is true about dreams. When people are conversing with me about what they've dreamt about, they don't realize that. Um, uh, everything that they know is present in what they're describing. It's just a matter of they're seeing it as symb- symbolic, and therefore they're not able to really clearly see what it is. It's like that expression, um, it takes two to see one, you know, I've come there mirror, right. and I'm really showing back to them what they're already showing me. And I believe their handwriting does the same thing. It's just that we don't Definitely. realize.
1: I mean, sometimes I believe we all more or less know about ourselves and sort of know what our dreams are telling us. However, there's that extra bit where we don't let ourselves say what we're thinking, know what we really want. Both the dreams and the handwriting <clears throat> will show that. So if there's things about yourself that you keep hidden or deep, they'll come out in your dreams. They'll come out in your handwriting.
2: And, and also that would apply to yeah. things that you don't know that you're hiding right you know sub subconscious things that are <clears throat> that are under the surface that you're not aware are there traumas from the past that you're not aware are affecting your life, illnesses that are a result of those traumas. Those things are actually scripted in these, I'll say writings. Let's so call the dreams writings because basically it is the script. It's a conversation, the same way that your handwriting is. And so right. when you're when you're looking at that, um, you're seeing all of it, whereas the person is only seeing what's in their conscious mind, what's in their ability to retain consciously, and so the, they remember that of the dream that they can recall, Um, but in the meantime, their life path is actually holding the same conversation, and if you look at that closely enough, you can find the pieces that they're not remembering from the dream, and you can combine them the same way when you look at the handwriting, the whole story is there, and you're able to take, you know, all the different little pieces and put them together and find the part that that person isn't even necessarily aware of, or that, you know, like we have one persona online when we're on, you know, Facebook or Twitter and when we show the world and then we have another one which is who, we, who our inner world is that not everybody knows we get to have a private self. But, but all even that ourselves, is revealed. We
1: don't always know our private selves. That, well, that's, yeah. that's the other piece of the whole
3: puzzle. Exactly. And we're
0: going to hold exactly right. it there, Michelle. Uh, Jefferson, we're going to hold it there. We're going to take a break. We've got a caller lined up When we come back and after we have talked with the caller, I got a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts. So just give me a couple minutes, pay the bills. You're listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. Very unique show today. Michelle Dresbold, who has been on the show several times or many times here, uh, handwriting analysis, and Jefferson, the dream interpreter. What a combination. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Life on right. Edit. I'm your host, Johnny Avery. Really, today, my special guests are Michelle Dresbold, who is a handwriting analyst, analyst, and Jefferson, the dream interpreter. We're going to go with Jefferson's theme song today. Uh, Michelle's theme song is the Nancy Drew theme song, and I thought that fit her perfectly, too. Um, maybe she didn't like it, but I thought it was one of the better picks I had. It I just, liked it. Okay, liked good. It. <laughs> I think it just fit. Michelle, real quick, um, are they considered... Are they considering filming in Pittsburgh?
1: No, ah. no. If if um, if it if it all happens, it will be filmed in Vancouver. Oh, and um, you when you have a television show in the United States, and if you have a Canadian network partner, which we we hopefully do. Mm-hmm. A certain percentage of everything has to be done in Canada. And also, so it will be filmed in Vancouver, Canada.
0: Yeah, um, one of my all-time favorite shows, Wise Guy with Ken Wall back in the late 80s was filmed in Vancouver. Uh, okay. So, I mean, they you're right. They have to have an, an agreement, and then a certain percentage has to be filmed there. Uh, Jefferson, Michelle, we got a caller. Susan, are you there? Hi there. Well, welcome on. You can talk to Jefferson, you can talk to Michelle and I'm just gonna sit here and listen.
3: Okay. Hi, hi there. Hi, Hello.
0: how's
3: it going? Uh, hi, I haven't I didn't know there was a interpreter of handwriting there today. That's very nice. There's so many ways to look into the site. Right. Uh what I do is pass five regressions and I'm a medium and a lot of other things, but um to tie in with what you're doing that. Dreams can be telling you what you might have been doing in past life. Why you keep you know going to the same Egyptian scene over and over again, or something, or a certain something keep playing out over and again, you know the same scene, the same uh confrontation or whatever, and you might find that even in things that you're thinking about during the day and are influenced by during the day could be going back to a past life, certainly relationships have a lot to do with past lives. Why you feel an affinity to someone as soon as you meet them in total trust, or you feel absolutely, I don't want to be near that person. I'm sure you've had those situations yourself. I know I have. Um, Michelle, uh, This is a, Susan
2: raises a very interesting question because uh, past lives do come up in dreams a lot, um, as well as um, what is scripted in our DNA? Uh, I'm wondering what you do. You see things like this in handwriting as well?
3: Um,
2: or,
1: I, or is this in my too, answer like, is I don't know. I, I, I'm. You know, I have different maybe belief systems on all of it. Um. So I don't. I. I think every single thing about you. I. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I'm going to go with I'm not sure, if, you know, what my belief system on the whole issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really see, oh, yes, I, I see really maybe what's in this person's head. So I'm not, I, I don't really know 100% how to answer that question.
2: Well, I think, I think you raise a good point, though, whether or not, Uh, it is actually a past life or it is just what the person believes, I think that would show up. And I think that that's usually how I approach somebody uh, in their dreams, is not so much, um, you know, what we know or don't know about the world, but what that person believes about it. Because I think that's what really comes across in our personal information like dreams and handwriting. When you have... A belief system within you—it basically is your operating software, and that's what is revealed in, right. in these two particular um, uh, modes modalities. So, um, you know, I, I agree with Susan, and I, I also think that um, you know that can be influenced by our beliefs, uh, whatever we happen to believe. I mean, I, I know people astral project, and they they come to me and talk to me about dreams, and whether I. Personally, do that or believe in it is irrelevant. The fact is that the person doesn't. Therefore, I'm working with them on, on their, um, you know, on the world that they operate in. Uh, right. I've had people with dreams about wondered, aliens. The same um, thing,
3: Harmon, um, Yes. It's a really good point about the belief system, uh, whether you believe or not, because in my experience, and with any hypnosis, because I put person in a light state of hypnosis, um, if you don't believe that it's possible or your belief system is blocking it, like, you know, we shouldn't be doing this for some reason. Well, don't come in. But, <laughs> um, but the point is you won't see it. In any state of hypnosis, you will not. Be able to do anything that goes against your belief system.
2: Exactly, I I I agree with that. And and when you're looking at any kind of a symbol in a dream, what you're looking at is not what that symbol means in say a dream book, but what it means to that person individually. So, you know, dream books can be helpful in terms of looking at possibilities for what symbols mean, but they're not static. They, you know, symbols evolve, and um, you can't look at any one symbol as if it has a one size fits all meaning. It has a a contextual uh, aspect to it that is individual and unique to each person, based on their upbringing.
3: Yeah, I agree because the books do nothing for me. I've tried the Dream Books. I'm like, are you kidding? It's no relevance to me whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, I, I I agree with that because, um, you know what? Uh, there's all kinds of questions you can ask people. Like, what a lion means to one person may mean something else. And I'm just using this as an example. Somebody says, well, a lion because it's fierce and it kills. And another person says, oh, a lion because it protects its family. And so it's what it all means to you. And so you need to put everything about a person in context to really get the grip or the, what's, what's going on in that person. The more you know, the more you can interpret everything you're saying.
2: Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, you, you use the lion as an example. Uh, I interpreted a dream that was actually published in an article years back that um, the lion in that particular dream represented the lions on the uh, steps of the New York Public Library. And it was actually about a book that the person's grandmother had read.
3: Right. So, so you know, yeah. symbol, <laughs> symbol can,
2: even to even to the same person who has... You know, uh, a particular, let's say that person sees the lion as somebody who protects their, their, their cubs or whatever. Um, even that symbol had a, a secondary meaning within the context of that dream.
1: Right, right. Hmm. And even, um, how use symbolism in handwriting. For example, sometimes I've seen people and they make their personal pronoun, I, like me, myself, and I, like a numeral four. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And I'll have to ask the person. I'll go, does number four mean anything to you? And like one person, example, said to me, oh, I was the fourth kid. They would always just call me number four. I I can't know that without asking some questions and what's showing up in one person's handwriting. There's a general pattern, but you sometimes really have to ask certain questions to really interpret interpret it as accurately
2: as possible. That, that's absolutely right, and that, that's part of what I do as well It's a conversation. It's a lot is revealed in even just a short uh, exchange between you and the person that, that you're, you're analyzing because the, um, the, the words that they use and the way that they present them has such rich meaning, and it can tell you a lot of things about uh, the dream or, or the situation that you wouldn't know otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh interesting there. Um unfortunately we lost Susan. Uh if she calls back we'll try to put her back on as we're up against the news in a moment. But I got a couple I got 2 minutes for both of you and I want to kind of throw it out there. It's interesting to me that you are both very creative people uh outside of what you do. Jefferson interpreting dreams and Michelle doing the handwriting analysis. It's amazing what your backgrounds are but I have to believe without those creative backgrounds you would not really be able to do what you do what are your thoughts and we'll go to Jefferson first
2: I agree. I think that what I do was absolutely augmented by my work in art and music, and I, I see the world uh, in a different way because of that. And because of, I have an odd relationship with math, I don't. I don't see. My mother was a math teacher. My brother's an astrophysicist with a, a minor in math from Yale, and I just I don't see math the same way that they do it. Um, it actually flows a different way because I'm also dyslexic. And so I'm able to do things like add up random patterns of numbers into a single digit very quickly. And I think just that whole way of seeing landscapes in uh, a broader perspective and noticing things that other people don't and how things fit together in ways that the world doesn't necessarily notice. Uh, Just the fact that my attention was always in many different places at once gave me the ability to be able to see aspects of dreams that... um, that otherwise escape
0: people Michelle, what about you? I mean, I know you're an artist I've seen your work not live, unfortunately but I've seen pictures of it and uh, I think you if you made a comment one time I think I remember you can see so many brush strokes into a painting and uh, because of your skill level you can see very deep into a painting so, you know, what are your thoughts? Without that background you wouldn't be able to do what you do?
1: I don't know if it's without the background, but without that innate love or talent, um, that visual talent, the talent of seeing, I, I don't think I could do what I I, I do. I've talked to people who, for example, tried to study handwriting analysis, and they'll see... When I was with the Secret Service, they could see, like, oh, we see this line here, but they couldn't put the whole picture of what they're seeing together. And so um, what I do with the handwriting is like my art. It's all an art where you take a lot of little pieces and you put it together and tell them what the picture is saying. So whether it's – I don't know if it's your background because your background is because you are who you are. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more because I am an artist's brain that I see things – Maybe differently than other people. I'm, I'm not sure. I actually sometimes see things in pictures rather than in words. And so I think because of that, um, it does help my ability to interpret whatever I see, whether it's handwriting or, or body language. It, it
0: helps me. Interesting. We're going to roll into a break. We're going to come out. I've got some more questions for both of you because now that I have you on the line i can kind of go back and forth and i think the audience will enjoy <laughs> this you're listening to life on i'm your host john a really special guest today jefferson the dream interpreter michelle dresbold the handwriting analyst we'll be right back Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John, a really special guest today. Jefferson, the dream interpreter. Michelle Dresbold, the handwriting analyst. Um, Before we had the caller, you guys were uh, basically kind of hitting on how people might not know consciously what's going on within themselves. You know, the mind has a way of protecting itself from, and you both know this, from severe trauma, be it... a childhood trauma where a person might have been molested or, you know, something along those lines. And what I find interesting is you never can really hide it. It's kind of like water. Water will always find the hole. Even if it's a pinhole, it will always find a way to drain itself or at least start the process. And that's where the two of you come in. I think what Michelle does is a hard concrete hit in the face when someone is approached with their handwriting and go hey this is what we see and their reaction is going to be you know probably straight on back at Michelle and again I'm just kind of you know um, surmising what I think here Jefferson with you people come in they get their dreams interpreted at the, but they also have to take, in a way, a responsibility to go deeper, to take the journey, to find out what is going on with them. I, I just think you both come from different angles at it, and I like that, because I think the two would work very well together. And I'll go to Michelle's thoughts there.
1: Um, well, my my thoughts is, uh, one, we would work very well together because... I do. As I said, every piece of us tells us something about ourselves. So in a combination of learning, we will learn very well together. Um, Mine is very concrete, like it's in black and white on a page, what I see. but, But there is always that element of interpretation, how well do you, when I interpret what I'm seeing. But it's, it's a little more black and white, I think, because it's hardcore on paper. Um, so, but I do think that they work very well together.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, Michelle. Because when I think of you, and I think if I'm being approached, and you said black and white on paper, it's kind of right there. You can't escape it. You can look up at you and go, "No, that's not really who I am." But yeah. the paper tells differently, and right. it can be debated. Then I look at Jefferson, and I think, well, there a person has to go a little bit on of a journey. They have to really look at some point inside of themselves and kind of figure out who they are, where they are, and where they want to go. That's why when I know Jefferson has worked with therapists and so forth, that's been a good combination to help people. Jefferson, your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think that, um, you know, I would agree with Michelle um, that, you know, when you're writing something on a page, it is black and white, sometimes literally. Uh, the um, the dreams are different because you're relying on what somebody's reporting to you, which puts you into an entirely different arena. I mean, if you had a car accident, let's say you were at a, uh, a crossroads, an intersection, um, and uh, there were people standing on all four corners, and there was a car accident in the direct center of the um, uh, the, the, the 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 crossroads the um, four people would have something entirely different to report and each would be reporting based on their background so if there's a doctor on one corner and there's an insurance guy on the other corner and a reporter on the, on the other they're all going to have different things to say and let's say the guy who's waiting for the bus on one corner um, is now thinking oh I'm going to be late for work that's all going to influence how he views that accident and uh, each person has a different perspective the job of the police at that point would be to come along and take the reports from everybody and find the truth from all those different things when you're talking a dream you're only getting one of those reports and you're only getting it from the person who's actually personally connected to the story so they're remembering two things they're remembering what they can recall from the dream and they're also reporting it in the way that makes sense to them uh so you have to kind of sift through that it's more uh, uh etheric it's more abstract and um more I'll say vague or foggy than uh, something as clear as handwriting so in that respect they're different but at the same time once you begin to build on that information you also have the person's energy the person's tone of voice how the person is describing it to you the words that they're using and those become the things that are more black and white uh, Wait, and, and can uses, I
1: just say one other thing yeah. from yeah. me from yeah. my view mm-hmm. um, that One of the differences between what um, Jefferson does and what I do is Jefferson needs to have the person there to interpret their dream. It's very personal.
0: It's much more personal there.
1: Now, I sometimes do better when I don't see the person. I don't hear their voice. I don't Mm -hmm. get influenced by whatever their tone is because I just look at the handwriting and go, this is what's going on. So... I that's I think a, a major difference that um, I don't sometimes even want to see the person or hear the person because my own if you want to call prejudices from their voice from their tone could come come in but when I look at handwriting I have none of that so I don't know what they look like or sound like and so it's 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 sort of um, not influenced by those outside things. So I think that's one difference.
2: I agree, and I think um, it's one of your strengths, Michelle, because I, I know in, in reading up on you and listening to the shows you've done with John that uh, that that's the sort of thing that helps you to solve, you know, criminal cases with, with right. The law Right. Because
1: usually the criminals don't come and talk to me. Hey, I kidnapped the show. <laughs> exactly. <children. laughs>
2: yeah, but see, what I what I was saying though was that the part of Uh, my conversation with that person that that reveals is more similar to the handwriting on the page. In In other words... The parts of themselves that they don't want to show to me are there anyway. I mean, I've had many times where I've had a, a client in front of me and they are talking about one thing and they're telling me about some other problem, and I'm realizing very quickly that the dream is not discussing that problem that they're reporting to me. It's something else, and I can Good. usually mirror that back to them very
0: quickly. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me get another question for the two of you. This is fascinating to me. Your skill set, both of you. I mean, this is a gift, obviously. They're both gifts. Um, They go to your soul. Because I believe what the two of you do, you have to be deeply in touch with yourself. Have you ever feared your skill set? Have you ever not wanted this gift? And I'll go to Michelle first there.
1: Um, the answer is no. I've always liked my gift. And um, I think I answered this before on your show, and I'll answer it the same way because mm-hmm. it's the way I feel. I think in this world we deal with so many different people that having a gift that you can have, that you can re- read into somebody um, fairly quickly and immediately, I think is, I don't want to use the word blessing, but um, it's is such a wonderful toll that you can use to help protect yourself. In this world, it takes a long time to get to know somebody. Let's just say someone's dating somebody. It might take six, eight months where you go, wow, I wish I had known that the first (laughs) month or Mm. the first week. (laughs) And here, a toll, and I'll plug my book, Sex, Lies, and Handwriting. You have a toll where you can see what's inside a person, whoever they are, fairly quickly and I am always thankful I have that gift.
0: Jefferson?
2: Uh, I, I've never feared this at all. I, You know, for me, it was a companion that I had since I was three, so it was never something that I uh, was afraid of. It was something that I didn't understand when I was younger, but at the same time, I was more curious than anything else. It was never something that, that scared me. I've had dreams that have scared me, but those really just initiated the conversation. Uh, If anything, I've found it to be an enormous comfort because it helps me to view the world through a lens that most people I don't think get to see. And, um, you know, part of why I teach is is to show them exactly, you know, the kind of things that I know because it is enormously comforting to be able to see the world symbolically as opposed to literally. The, The literal world is really hard and really bright and really violent and, you know, there are a lot of really wonderful aspects to it that we don't see because we're being presented this this harsh world and there's another one that's here as well simultaneously that's quite beautiful and the way to see that is to look at things less literally and more symbolic so actually Michelle's work in mine uh, are, are a very interesting tandem because um, you know what she's seeing is something that's literally scripted but she's seeing it through a symbolic lens and um, it, it, that's why I was drawn to her work. It was the fact that she saw things in pictures and that she saw things in layers. That's how I see things. And it, 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 I think that is what makes us, uh, you know, a, a powerful team in that because we can we can see things through those lenses.
0: Excellent. Um, we're going to take... Our final break, and I'm doing a little bit early, so when we come back, I'll have straight shoot time, as I like to call it, to, without worrying about a break, so we can really kind of get in the meat of things. i still got several questions left. You're listening to Life on Edit. I'm your host, John Averly. Today, my guest, Michelle Dresbold. She is a handwriting analyst and Jefferson, the dream interpreter. We'll be right back. Is that what we have, a palatial? <laughs> it's not an outright negative to say. It's just, if we have a palatial studio, I mean, you know, it's nice. But to me, that would be, you know, I would be sitting in a, a much better chair. But that's okay. Welcome back to Life Fine <laughs> Edited, the final segment. I have oh, Jeff- John. Yeah, good, brother. Um, uh, it was Kira Sedgwick. That's, why that's I it. Nice Thank seat. you. Thank you very much. Yes. You know, that was Kevin. she Thanks is a very attractive woman and a very un- orthodox sort of way. And and I mean why she's not what you would consider a classic beauty for television or something. She's just a beautiful woman in a way that's totally unique to her. I've always thought that. That's just my thoughts. I wanted to throw it out there. Okay. No No one has anything to say. That's fine. We'll (laughs) go right back to the other part of it. Um, With relationships. And I know, I, I know I've asked Michelle this, but I'm pretty sure the audience will want to hear it again because my audience continues to grow. Jefferson, I think I've asked him this too, but again, it's good to get the answer out there again. Um, and I'll go to Michelle first on this. Relationships, be it friends, family, intimate relationships, do you find that what your, what your work is can sometimes interfere with that, that there's a, a, maybe a leeriness For people to get too close or leave their notebooks lying around, Michelle?
1: Um, Well, if they don't want to show me their handwriting, we know already there's a problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I never thought about that.
1: That's number one. Um, (laughs) And two, every once in a while, example, a friend of mine once wrote me a letter, and um, it was a thank you letter for a gift I had given her. At that time she had just had a um oh, she had, had a baby and then she had like a three year old or something. And I had looked at her letter and I called her right away, I'll just make up a name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said Susie, what's wrong? You're feeling all this tension and you're feeling overwhelmed. And she said, you read my handwriting. Because all she, all she wrote was, thank you so much for the baby gift. And I said, yeah, she goes, oh, well, her, her three-year-old was diagnosed with a, a physical ailment. and had to go to some special school. And she, she hadn't told anybody. She was feeling very, but she once I saw it in her handwriting, I could tell, ask her about it and we could talk about it. So, um, and some of my friends write me and they'll go, you know, people don't write as much as they used to, obviously, but they'll go, do not look at my handwriting. I'm stressed out. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And if someone tells me not to, usually, not always,
3: usually
1: I don't look
0: at handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me, I have to go back and I, I, and I know you, you're so good at what you do. You can tell if someone's trying to evade being, you know, having their handwriting, um. Uh, Analyzed, uh, Even block print, right? I mean, if someone sat there and just wrote you in block print, you would still be able to decipher all that,
1: correct? Well, okay. Cursive handwriting, because everything is connected, mm-hmm. is the easiest to interpret. Okay. Printed handwriting... And, and I can interpret print and handwriting almost the same as cursive. Then you have all-block print, and there's a reason just the fact that they write in all-block print means something. Mm-hmm. Somebody writes in all-block print, by doing that, what they're saying is, I don't want you to get to know me and know what's going on inside of me that much. So that's the reason they choose, and I would say it's a choice why they chose or choose to write in all-block print. So the choice that they make just writing it to start with, of course, if they write big block print or small block print or they dig it into the page, you can still tell an awful lot about that person.
0: That's amazing. Jefferson, now yours is a little bit different, but go ahead. Before we get to that, Mm -hmm. I just want to add to what Michael just said. So uh, one of the things
2: that I've noticed over the years is that certain professions also will dictate how it writes, Uh, and I know this from being a graphic artist. Um, For many years, I worked on, you know, things uh, on board, if you will, where, you know, you were putting together a magazine, and it was actually done physically so that the type was on film, and it was uh, was glued to um, essentially a poster board kind of material. And, um, you know, uh, you used a T-square in order to line things up. Well, you know, if you ever saw anybody who was an architect or a draftsman, when they would write on their... Uh, blueprints they would use the t-square to actually write and they would use that so that the uh, the text on the blueprint was perfectly lined up and therefore they would use only block lettering uh... so i mean that's one instance and when that that person might carry that over into their personal life just because they're so used to writing that way and the other thing i wanted to ask michelle about is uh... this idea that they're no longer teaching cursive in school Which is, for me, I think that's a huge issue symbolically. I think it's a huge mistake.
0: Michelle made a good um, point on that before when I had her on Jefferson. I don't mean to cut you off. or She's she's going to say something. It's not good Uh, in the sense that, if I recall what she said, we lose a connection to the brain. Somehow we're losing something. And, And I'll throw it back to Michelle now on that.
1: Okay, I'll answer that. Um, I think it's a very big mistake not to teach cursive. As I tell people, you can learn cursive and then, hey, you can go back to printing if that's your choice. Exactly. But when you learn cursive, you're learning how to visually see, connect, use your hand, use your eye, use your brain. It's a very, very good learning tool. Um, And it's actually much faster than printing. By not teaching that, and in fact, uh, you are eliminating some parts of the brain because when you type... It lights up one part of the brain, but when you write, it actually lights up another part. And the part when you write is your language and memory skills. And, in fact, people who have Alzheimer's, the very last thing they lose, you know they've really gone deep in, they will lose how to write their name. Wow. Um, Yeah. So keeping the brain healthy by learning to write and write in all different ways is a very good toll. I, I work with people who have had strokes and I t- if I can get to them immediately and say, okay, let's write with your right hand, let's write with your left, let's write with-, because you're using more parts of the brain. Um, the last person I worked with who had a stroke was in the hospital, I don't know how long, but months. And when she came out and I got to her right away, she had no disability at all, no walking hmm. problems, no speech problems. And I... You know, I I don't know, I kind of give myself some credit, and I go, we kept her brain healthy, as healthy as we could. So I really think by not allowing people to learn a skill is really a disservice. Hmm.
2: And, especially and when you consider yeah. especially when you consider how young we are when we learn cursive, I think right. that you're connecting parts of the brain when the when the brain itself is still developing at a young age, and I think that to remove
0: that from school is a serious mistake is that like and, learning um, a second language you think? Uh,
2: yeah, and also you're, what you're doing is you're, you're you're connecting, which is you know the difference between block letters and, and script, as, well, as Michelle had stated. Well, let me ask That Michelle. has a very definite effect on how the brain functions. It's, it's what I you know if you look at analog versus digital, that's how it works. Analog is continuous, and digital is broken down into bits. So this is re- getting rid of cursive in school is an aspect of the digital age, and the the problem with it is that you lose all the stuff in between and the brain is affected by that. There's no way that it's somehow disconnected from that. So I hear experts on NPR, they're talking about, oh, no, 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 it's fine. We don't need cursive anymore. Look at all the kids. They're so smart, whatever. It's not about that. It's not that these kids don't have intelligence because they stop using cursive. It's that you are actually taking away certain aspects of what their brain is able to do and how it can connect. And you are making them less powerful than they would be if you showed them how to connect.
0: Let me ask Michelle real quick, and I don't think, I asked her this uh, a couple of times she's been on before. Michelle, a hybrid type of writing uh, where it's, you know, it's handwriting and then it goes into print and then goes back and forth. I tend tend to do that. Uh, I can, you know, handwrite part, but back and forth. Is there anything specific that says about somebody or is that just the way their mind is cluttered?
1: Oh, no, no, no! Um, it says a lot, and in fact, a person who learns cursive and printing and then sort of combines it in the most efficient ways mm-hmm. your creative people, your artists, your speakers, your orators, your musicians, because their brain takes from everything actually all of doing all cursive isn't as efficient as doing a combination um Abraham Lincoln did a combination mm-hmm. um. I do a combination. You do a combination, and I wouldn't be shocked if Jefferson did a combination. Yeah, I do. Um, do. Yeah, I figured that. Because those are people whose brains jump around a little bit. They're creative. They may not fall as linear as some other people, but they're actually very efficient, forward-thinking types who don't 100% fit into a traditional mold.
0: What does bad spelling say?
1: <laughs> you need to go back to school. No.
0: <laughs> I was never a good speller. Thank God for spell check. If they ever get no, grammar check, we there. I was never a good
1: speller, and I did hear mm-hmm. that people who are at least I heard this when I was a kid and couldn't spell—people that people who are creative have a much harder time spelling.
0: God, I wish someone would have told the nuns that. It would have made <laughs> things a lot easier there. Let me—we still got like six minutes left here, and I want to throw another question out to both of you. And I'll go to I'll go back to Michelle on this one first. And I know I've asked this, but again, I want to get out for the audience that has been joining me. Um, Michelle, do you have one specific case that you've worked on? Doesn't have to be high profile. Just something that you've worked on that stays with you today. Something about that job.
1: Well, I'm going to give you one that I don't know if it stays with me, but it's a new new thing I'm working on, and I think it's very exciting for me. Um, well, it, it's kind of strange, but <laughs> I had somebody come to me, which I have many people come to me and she sa- uh, who say, oh, I know who the Zodiac Killer is. Mm. Somebody recently came to me and said, oh, I think my father is a, is a, a serial killer. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, okay. Mm. And so I met with her, and there was handwriting from this serial killer that had been left at um, a crime scene. And she came and she said, "Here's my father's handwriting. I think it matches." And I'm like, "Oh my God! It matched so much!" And so um, it's a cold case. We started a group of students who are students to investigate cold cases, and we've oh, this is our one of our cases that we've opened up. Um, and it happens that this. Um, man who is this woman's father, he's still alive, and um, supposedly there's been some murders around where he is, so we are investigating through the handwriting and some other evidence if this woman's really right and her father really is a serial killer. So that's maybe a case, I don't know if it will stay with me, but right now that's um, something I find very interesting.
0: Are you, um, and I'm going to ask, you mentioned you're part of a cold case uh, kind of society. You part of the VDOX society?
1: No, this is really just um, it's a it's a local group of students who study criminology, mm. and it's um, just a group that um, the university has started. And um, it's just what can we do in this little group of uh, university uh, students who are criminology majors?
0: Interesting, and I'll. I'll Talk to you about that off the air at some point, Michelle. I have a reason for that. That's why I okay. asked. Uh, Jefferson, now, you, uh, and I know we've talked about this before, is there anything that sticks out in your mind that maybe not day to day, but every so often uh, a dream you interpreted pops in You know, with, with someone you uh, were involved with there? Could you be more honestly I take is there any dreams you have interpreted that stay with you the uh, something uneasy about that situation that dream that person
2: um, usually only based on what the person's experiencing and, and my desire to help them I, I, to be honest with you most times the people tell me dreams they go in one door and out the other I, I don't really Recall all of it off the top of my head. I'll recall, you know, for instance, that one earlier about the, the the lion in the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that sort of thing might stay with me, especially if I write about it and and put it in more of a concrete form. Uh, I remember snippets of dreams from other people here and there, but, you know, I, I liken it to, you know, the old Sherlock Holmes uh, metaphor you know, that your brain is an attic and you can only fill it with so many things. So when people come to me and they discuss their dreams, I, inter- I interpret them in the moment. I may remember portions of them if they had a conversation with me at another uh, session, you know, uh, a week or a month down the road. But by and large, when they leave, their dream goes with them. I don't, I don't hold on to them.
0: Now I think I've asked both, excuse me, but I'll ask again. Go to Michelle first. Michelle, have you felt yourself um, in the presence of what would be considered true evil, something that you just knew was completely wrong with this person?
1: Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> kind of figured
0: that. What's that feel like to you? Is that a gut instinct even before you take a look at their handwriting, or is it all just kind of happening at one time?
1: Um i think I think that if we listen to our instincts, we can tell not always I mean this is why there's no hundred percent, but I tell people listen to your instincts, let's say you're walking down the street and you see somebody and they make you something inside of you, especially if you're a female because females actually have higher instinctual levels than men because of biological needs mm-hmm. um if you feel something, don't question yourself. Don't say, well, maybe he's a nice man. Just cross the street. When you get a gut-level feeling, your body, your senses, everything about you is trying to tell you something. And I tell people, you listen. And so I guess that that's my biggest thing when I tell people is just you feel something, listen to it.
2: Jefferson, your body. Your body has different methods of of uh, processing intuition. You know, you, you you digest food through intuition. You don't think about it; it just happens. Um, you know, there are automatic processes in the body, and I think that's what Michelle was speaking to. And I, I think you're absolutely right that uh, you get a, you get a hit anywhere in your body about something that's warning you of danger, and you pay attention to it. Anytime you get a subtle hit. A thought that just seems like it's just kind of fleeting that is your intuition that's talking to you the question is how are you how are you paying attention to it? what's the quality of your attention to that thought and if it is something that you believe is worth interpretation then you really do need to pay attention to it and if it's something where you feel that you're threatened in any way yes absolutely get out of that
0: well michelle jefferson we've hit the end of the show here but before we do the break and we say goodbye i kind of want to throw this out there Michelle, are you going to be back in the area um, where I'm at anytime soon, you think?
1: I actually think I, I do have a few. You're in the, near the Philadelphia area. Yeah,
0: yeah I? I'm out there, you know, your friend. and I, I mean, I you know, met you last year. Yeah, I'm right there.
1: Right. I have a couple handwritten cases coming up, and I have a few in the Philadelphia area. So I think I will be. I don't have the dates yet, but um, I will um, definitely keep you informed. And I would love to get together and meet you or do a show. Well,
0: Jefferson as well. I want He's coming from, that's why I was asking. Jefferson could always stay at my house. You know that, man. And yeah. I think it'd be great if the three of us could get together for dinner and drinks and just uh, kind of enjoy each other's company. You're both very fascinating to me. I and would like that. I like that. So I'm gonna. I would too. Yeah. Perfect. So I'm gonna kind of play the social calendar person here, and I'll stay in touch with both of you and see what we can figure out. Sounds great. Actually, today, Sounds my uh, great, you've been listening to Life Unedited. My guest today, Michelle Dresbold, she's a handwriting analyst. Jefferson, the dream interpreter, it might sound far apart that the two might be, but they are not. Their skill set works very well together. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, John.